Hello, everyone. You're listening to Slapdash, the podcast about history, art, science, and everything else. We're your hosts, Shannon Deaton and Jason Creekmore. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we're discussing Batman, one of the most influential and iconic superheroes in American history. Across the table from me here, I have Batman's arch nemesis, Jason Creekmore. Jason, how are you today? I thought I was the boy wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. How are you? Can, can you be both? I could be both. Yeah. All right. Sure, I could do that. Good deal. I'm, I'm the Michael Keaton of, uh, of actors. <laughs> you have a range. That's right. Yeah, That's you, you right. can do all things. Well, so we're just going to begin discussing the origin of Batman. Jason, have you watched many Batman movies or are you familiar with Batman? I think I've probably watched them all. Yeah. 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 Batman's probably my favorite. I think so too. He's been a big part of my life. <laughs> That's weird to say about a fictional character. But growing up, you know, I had the action figures, I had the costumes, I had the Batmobile. You know, he, he just lived in my house. <laughs> <laughs> All the time, yes. The same, same here. And of course, we'll exchange some stories about you know some some issues and topics like that. But oh yeah, Batman was a very, very uh, significant part of my childhood. Yeah, yeah. So Batman is a fictional DC character superhero uh, who first appeared in Detective Comics number twenty seven in nineteen thirty nine. So he's been on the block for for a little while. He was created by artist Bob Kane and writer Bill Finger. More on that here in just a little bit. And the character was first referred to as the Bat Hyphen Man. So he wasn't Batman. He was the Bat Hyphen Man (laughs) for a little while. Uh, And he's gone by various nicknames. You may have heard him called the Caped Crusader, the Dark Knight, the world's greatest detective. All of these, uh, you know, kind of bringing up images of the the masked figure who kind of sneaks around in the dark and has all these gadgets and weaponry and, you know, ways to bring down the criminals without any superpowers. So his original costume was going to be a little bit different than how we know him today. And I know a couple different iterations of this costume. I remember the first one that I was familiar with was the early uh, 1960s version of Batman. I, I think that was one of the, the first images I, I saw of Batman, and he was wearing the gray suit, sort of the, the dark, it was like a dark blue or black cow, and he had the yellow symbol with the black bat on the front, right? And, and that's how he started in the comics, but that wasn't how he was originally going to look. So the original design for Batman's costume included red tights. So get this image of the Batman that that didn't get to be. All right. So he had red tights. Uh, He wore a domino mask. This was uh, similar to the mask Robin would later wear. It's just sort of one of those costume masks that just goes over the the eyes. Uh, And then he had these large bat wings. So no cape, just these huge bat wings. And he did not wear gloves. So when Bob Kane envisioned the superhero, he, he sort of drew him up. And this was in response to a lot of the success from Superman. Superman was uh, blowing up around this time. So obviously DC Comics, not yet called DC Comics, uh, but they wanted another superhero just like this. So they turned to Bob Kane. Bob Kane drew up this image of who he thought the Batman would be. He called up Bill Finger, and uh, Bill Finger was a writer uh, for the series. And he said, you know, Bill, what, what do you think about this character design? And Bill kind of looked him over and he suggested you know instead of the exact design that Bob Kane had going he said that Batman should wear a gray color for his suit he should change the domino mask to a cow he should add gloves so that Batman wouldn't leave fingerprints uh, because they came up with this concept of him being this great detective and they would change the bat wings to a cape 
So when I'm hearing that, that sounds like quite a big change. That's a pretty significant overhaul. Yeah, big big deviation <laughs> right, there. Yeah. Uh, you know, with input from from Bill Finger, and you know, just just talking about the cape for a moment. You know, a lot of those early superheroes had the cape, and Jason, I, I don't know if I ever understood the purpose of the cape. Is there a reason that superheroes wear it, capes? It's cool. Oh, it looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's the reason. It, it's just cool. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, it is cool, especially on Batman. They they did some imagery with him. They sort of frizzed out the edges of the cape so that it still, when it's flared out, looks like the bat wings, even though it's not actual bat wings. In terms of Batman's backstory, a lot of folks are familiar with the general idea of Batman. His secret identity, and I hate to give this away, you know, live in an episode. <laughs> But it is Bruce Wayne. I knew it. <laughs> Did you already figure I, that I out? I knew it. Yeah. Were you on to him? Yes. I thought I, I had it narrowed down between uh, Bruce Wayne and then another fella down the street. Oh, okay. But I thought it was Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> had to be. So Bruce Wayne is a billionaire playboy, philanthropist, and owner of Wayne Enterprises. After witnessing the murder of his parents, Thomas and Martha Wayne, Bruce swore vengeance against criminals. So pretty straightforward backstory. Uh, I remember watching this as a kid, uh, and I think you're going to talk about maybe some of the movies here in just a little bit. But just about every origin of Batman's story contains some version of this plot where Thomas, Martha, and Bruce walk down a place called Crime Alley, and there's a thug in there. In one movie, I think it's the Joker. In the comic strips, I think it's another character. But it always ends with the family being murdered, you know, little Bruce kind of staring down there and Eventually, he would go on to become the Batman. Bruce, during this time, he trains himself physically and intellectually. He he crafts a Bat-inspired persona to fight against crime. And he famously operates in the fictional city of Gotham. He fights crime with assistance from several supporting characters, including his butler, Alfred, which nowadays that doesn't seem strange to me. But I remember as a kid, I always thought that was just kind of weird. You know, he, he fights crime with his butler. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of one of those interesting, interesting as, things. As all billionaires do. Yeah, like they all do. Uh, he also has assistance from police commissioner Jim Gordon and vigilante allies such as Robin and Batgirl, among others. Uh, unlike most superheroes, Batman does not have any actual superpowers. He has this genius intellect to compensate. However, he's a very smart guy. Uh, he is a master martial artist, and he has all kinds of wealth. So he's he's very rich, and he uses this to his advantage to, to fight the bad guys. So there, there's been a lot of different bad guys in Batman's history, some of them more notable than others. There's a few that are kind of obscure, but there are some that really stick out. So, Jason, what can you tell us about the villains of Batman? Well, Shannon, Batman is awesome, uh, but everyone loves a good villain, right? Yeah. So, and, and Batman <laughs> certainly has his uh, fair share. You have the Catwoman, yeah. who debuted in 1940, and I'll just uh, name several off here. Uh, Two-Face uh, first uh, debuted in 1942 in the comics. Uh, one of my favorites, the Riddler, in 1948. Uh, and a more recent villain, uh, Bane, who was in you know some of the newer movies that it came out, and uh, he debuted in the comics in 1993. Of course, you have the Penguin, uh, 1941. But the most recognized Batman villain of all time has to be any guesses? Uh, would it be Egghead? That's correct. <laughs> Is it the Joker? Also known as the Joker. That's right. Yeah. So the Joker first appeared in the comic book uh, Batman Number One in 1940, and is the most famous and reoccurring villain in the Batman world. The Joker has various origin stories, but most often these focus on him uh, falling into some sort of a, a, a vat of chemicals 
which leaves his face disfigured. This accident drives him insane and prompts him to take on the persona of the Joker. Bill Finger, Bob Kane, and another gentleman named Jerry Robinson are credited for creating the Joker, and apparently the character was based on another character from a 1928 movie titled The Man Who Laughs. And Shannon, if you Google this title, you will see a picture uh, that is strikingly similar to the Joker. It's just like him, Jason. That's When you see that picture, I mean, that is exactly what the Joker looks like. Yeah, I would highly encourage uh, our listeners to you know to uh, take a moment to Google the man who laughs, see that picture, and and tell me that's not the Joker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely, yeah, I, that was definitely the inspiration. And you know, I was just joking about the Egghead, but but only part way because there there was a villain called Egghead, and it was on the original television show. And I saw some clips of him. I had never seen him before, but when we were researching this episode, I went back and looked at him. He was played by Vincent Price. And he was a character who was themed around, well, eggs. He, he would say things with the word egg in it. <laughs> and just laugh, and, right? And just yeah. laugh, just, you know. You know he, he would throw, throw eggs, you know, stink bombs and all these things. And I, I think he kind of got the short end of the stick when they were handing out, you know, villain names and powers <laughs> and all that sort of thing. So we've got the Joker, uh, you know, famous for being this maniacal murdering clown. We've got the Penguin, who is this big city mobster type boss and oh this this guy has a carton of eggs and uh <laughs> hey, you he's, come here he's dangerous with them <laughs> the uh, the creators of joker wanted to create batman a worthy adversary someone who could really go toe to toe with the cape crusader so over the years many different actors have portrayed the joker uh all of whom bringing something to the table that could be considered unique of course, you had Cesar Romero playing the Joker on the TV series, you know, from the 1960s. But from there, you had actors like Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, and most recently, Joaquin Phoenix, who starred in a movie specifically about the Joker called Joker. So, Shannon, name your two favorite versions of the Joker, if you had to pick two. Hmm. Well, I always have to pick Jack Nicholson. I just was a huge fan of the the 1980s Batman, so he's at the top of my list. Going to be my favorite till the end of all time. Following that, it's kind of a toss-up between Heath Ledger and, more recently, Joaquin Phoenix. I was surprised at how well Joaquin Phoenix portrayed the character. I'm going to have to say I think... I liked Joaquin Phoenix a little better, really? Jason. Yeah, and and I think it was just the tone of the movie itself that really sold me on on that portrayal. Although you know Heath Ledger certainly gave an all star performance as well, so that one's kind of tough. Uh, personal preference, though, I'm going to have to say, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix on that one. All right. Well, uh, you know, Batman has certainly been on uh, TV and the big screen for uh, a number of decades now. So, but first, obviously, he was on uh, a regular television series. He was, and I think, in the nineteen sixties, I believe. That's, that's it. correct. So, Shannon, tell us uh, maybe a little more about that. Absolutely. Well, you know, you just mentioned uh, Cesar Romero, who uh, was a, a recurring star guest villain on the the Batman television series, which aired in the 1960s. And one thing that sticks out to me about Cesar Romero, and I didn't notice this as a kid when I was watching this, but he famously had a very thick manly mustache, Jason, which he would not shave for the the actual television series. Yeah. So if you look closely, you can see that they've just taped it down and 
painted over it. It's still there in every one of the episodes, which makes it even more comical, I think. So the original Batman television series was live action. It starred Adam West as Batman and Burt Ward as Robin. And the show is best known for its campy style. It also had upbeat theme music and, and jason do you remember how that theme music went? oh yeah and that's you know that and the the images of the pal and that's wham it. and all that yeah <laughs> that's right uh so it, it had very intentional humor and I, I don't know if i caught on to this when i was a kid i just kind of took it at face value you know here's batman robin beating up the bad guys but whenever i sort of dug into the the production of it i saw that they were really going for over the top you know they were in on the joke they'd really pulled back the curtain with the audience and intended for this to kind of be a silly, you know, outing of Batman. It wasn't meant to be taken real seriously. But as a kid, I, I took it very seriously. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> this was real stuff. Uh, humorous morality in the show included such things as championing the importance of using seatbelts, <laughs> doing homework, eating vegetables, and drinking milk. So, yeah, so, so, so as Batman has some uh, gangster up against the wall, he's like, you know, eat your broccoli. That's right. <laughs> How many servings of milk have you had today, uh, egghead? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, the characters were intentionally placed in just the most absurd situations, but <laughs> it was funny because they took the absurd situations very seriously. The characters did. And I can just recall in my mind, Adam West acting all this out and, uh, you know, just quick Robin to the Batcave and it, it just it was just over the top it was just you know so outlandish but as a kid I was like that's right let's get in the Batcave let's let's gear <laughs> makes up makes perfect sense <laughs> that's right so one example of just this extreme circumstance this absurd situation uh, is in one scene and I'm not sure if this was from the television series or the the movie that they made um, that was that involved the same characters, but it was definitely the same actors, same sort of production. But I watched this last night on YouTube, Jason. I think I sent it to you too. Uh, there's a scene where Batman is dangling from the ladder of a helicopter, and, <laughs> and it's just flying over the ocean. <laughs> and for some unexplained reason, which I couldn't figure out in the clip, Robin, who's flying the helicopter, sort of flies too low into the ocean and, and sort of dips Batman's toes into the water. And then whenever he raises back up, there's just this seven, six, seven foot shark just attached to him at the knee, just just biting down on him. And he literally lifts up, you know, so, so the helicopter's rising up into the sky and Batman's hanging onto this ladder. The shark is, is biting onto his knee and it rises up out of the water. And looking at it now, it's just the most comical thing I think I could imagine and, for the series. Yeah, and, and last night, just for the uh, the listeners, uh, <laughs> Shannon uh, texts me and sends me a, a YouTube link, and he says something like, you know, the best two minutes you'll spend on the internet today or whatever. And I clicked on it, and it shows that scene, and it's hilarious because, you know, Batman's acting like – that he like stubs his toe. Like it, it happens that fast. It's just right. like, oh, oh, shark. You know, it's just like immediately, <laughs> like he just barely touches the water and the shark just latches onto him. Yeah. And it's, it's just so over the top. I love it. And the thing that was uh, most funny to me is, like you said, his reaction to it. He just immediately takes his fist, balls him up, and just starts pounding <laughs> into the side of this, this shark, just full-on boxing the shark in the side of its head to try to shake it loose. Uh, so he does that for a little while for, for dramatic effect, you know, just kind of laces into the, the shark for a few seconds. And then finally, what is 
you know, as this scene goes on, I, I find more and more of my favorite moments, uh, you know. <laughs> I think him punching the shark's hilarious, but right after that, he yells up to Robin, who who is flying the helicopter, and tells him to hand down the shark repellent bat spray. <laughs> so, right on cue, Robin turns around. The camera focuses in on these four different cans of spray. One's like uh, stingray spray, you know. One's like whale spray. I don't, I don't know what they all say, but but one is the the shark repellent, which conveniently enough uh, is going to work in this exact situation. (laughs) So, you know, Robin, instead of sort of dropping it down to Batman, he descends the ladder in the most dramatic and slow fashion I think I've ever seen. Meanwhile, Batman's getting his leg torn off. (laughs) (laughs) The shark still firmly latched on. (laughs) The shark shark still latched on. Uh, And then Robin, he he gets about halfway down, and then he uh, laces his legs through the ladder and turns upside down to, to hand the shark repellent to Batman and Batman takes it. He sprays it all in the eyes of the shark and, you know, just a a little in his nostrils, just, just for good measure. And the shark, I assume just dies on contact. (laughs) It just falls off into the ocean. It's like wasp spray. (laughs) And, and for some unknown reason, I'm sure there's a, a very intentional plot element that I'm missing here, but the shark falls down, down, down back into the water. And whenever it hits the water, it explodes. <laughs> Something that strong and powerful, probably the stingray pellet repellent would have worked just as well. Right. <laughs> so, so Jason, what what was in that shark repellent, man? What I don't know. what's going to do it for a shark just to to kill it on contact and then make it explode? I don't know. That's that's some really powerful stuff. He needs to have that like in his everyday use. Yeah, like for criminals, not just for sharks. You know? Yeah, I'm sure there's some crossover there. He could probably apply that to you know some situations with the Joker. But anyway, I found that just so comical and this entire show was just you know riddled with this sort of stuff just these insane setups and these insane scenes there were 120 episodes in total and that were produced for the show across three different seasons running from 1966 to 1968 and in 2016 which was fairly recently as of the recording of this episode in 2019 television critics rated batman as the 82nd Greatest American television show of all time. And at face value, that sounds, oh, wow, they, they did that. But that also tells me there's like 87 other things yeah. <laughs> ahead of it. You know? <laughs> so uh, very interesting there. And as you mentioned, there, there's some recurring elements in the show. And most notably during fight scenes, there's this onomatopoeia sort of wording that's inserted into the action <laughs> to depict sound effects. And some of them say, pow. You know, as the character punches someone else in the chin or bam. And my favorite, which I don't know what, you know, martial arts move this corresponds to, but zonk. So you you know when you've been zonked. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> you just explode like the shark. You just explode. Maybe, maybe the shark was zonked. That I think that's what happened. I think that's actually uh, what what happened to the shark. You know, some other recurring elements there. Robin often used the phrase "Holy something, Batman," <laughs> yeah. and he would just whatever is appropriate for the context. Uh, you know, going back to the shark scene we just talked about in the video we watched last night. Whenever the the shark latches on to Batman's knee, Robin just looks down at him and he says. Holy sardine, Batman. <laughs> it's just great. That would be a good way just to live life. It would. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like your holy red light. I just, <laughs> just whatever problem arises, you know, just whatever. I you love know. that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to adapt that to my daily, <laughs> daily living. That sounds good. 
So, you know, another thing that would happen, Batman and Robin would often climb buildings using a bat rope. So they sort of had this grappling hook. They would throw it up on a building. It would latch on. And then, you know, as far as the television viewer knew, they were just climbing up this rope, you know, fist over fist, (laughs) just walking forward. Uh, But for these scenes, the camera was turned 90 degrees. Jason, they didn't actually (laughs) climb any buildings. And the studio floor was made to look like the building that was being climbed. So uh, oftentimes while they were climbing these buildings very slowly and dramatically and, you know, for some reason not using the elevator, which seems like it would have been much (laughs) faster, you know, more efficient or even the stairs for that fact. Celebrities would would oftentimes have guest spots on the show because, you know, as you're climbing buildings, there's windows, right? So celebrities would pop their heads out of the the building windows and sometimes interact with the characters. And some of the folks who did this were Jerry Lewis, Dick Clark, and Sammy Davis Jr., among others uh, who were notable around that time. So do you have any memories about the television show at all? Uh, I do have memories about the television show, not necessarily the the, the guest guest appearances. Right. But I do have memories about the show. Oh, yeah. I remember, like, the, the words, you know, being, you know, put up there when they when they punch someone and just <laughs> the over-the-top and, uh, and you know, of course, the villains and just how insane they would laugh and, and just how, how easily everything seemed to come to Batman. It did. You know, just whatever it was the case. It was like, you know, oh, I'm being eaten alive by a shark. <laughs> Probably have some shark some repellent. Shark repellent, yeah. In my helicopter that right. my buddy's flying up there, you know. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean that was obviously it was filmed before I was born, but uh, but I would watch that you know when I was a kid, probably early to mid eighties, kind of growing up and and just loved it. Yeah, I did too, and I love the way it came on the theme song, like you mentioned. I saw a, a picture on the internet here recently that showed a park bench. And it didn't say anything else. Uh, I mean, there were no words, but just on the park bench, there were five people seated. There were four sort of elderly grandma-type ladies, and then there was Batman. Can you figure out the meaning of that picture? Uh, No, not not off the top of my head. I'll give you a hint. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Oh, my God. That's pretty good. That's good stuff. <laughs> you got me on that I one. I, it. Thought, yeah. I, I puzzled nana, on nana, it for nana. about five five minutes uh, until I figured it out. Oh, That's good. It, it got me good. When, when it hits you, good. it's, it's yeah. just too good. So, you know, this campy style, this comical style was not to last. A lot of people really didn't like this. You know, well, th- well, let me back up. Many people did, but there were several diehard comic book fans who really weren't into the campy sort of style. It has to be more serious, it had right? had to be more yeah. serious. They wanted to bring Batman back to his roots. And I think they were able to accomplish that through the feature-length films. So, Jason, what can you tell us about the movies that Batman's been involved in? Yeah, quite a bit, actually. The first feature-length film uh, came out in 1966, and of course, this is the same style, it's the same folks. It was just a feature-length film, uh, and it was called The Batman, obviously, uh, starring Adam West. Uh, A few decades goes by before Tim Burton's Batman debuts in 1989, starring one of your favorite actors, Michael Keaton. The man, the myth. myth. And you know, Burton and Keaton did a follow-up in 1992 called uh, Batman Returns. And then in 1995, director Joel Schumacher debuted Batman Forever, starring Val Kilmer. Schumacher also got a second shot at the franchise uh, in 1999 with Batman and Robin, starring George Clooney mm-hmm. as Batman. This one, I think, kind of gets overlooked a little bit. Yeah. In 2005, the franchise was rebooted when Christopher Nolan directed Batman Begins, starring Christian Bale. And Nolan and Bale would also star in two sequels, 
uh, The Dark Knight in 2008, and The Dark Knight Rises in 2012. Uh, Both sequels earned over $1 billion worldwide, and collectively, uh, all three of the Nolan slash Bell films are referred to as the... The Dark Knight Trilogy. The Dark Knight Trilogy. That's, That's absolutely correct. And most recently, Batman has been played by Ben Affleck uh, and director Zack Snyder's uh, Batman vs. Superman that that, uh, debuted in 2016 and Justice League in 2017. And, of course, that's DC proper kind of going down a little bit of a different avenue uh, with that. So what was your favorite Batman movie? I'm not sure about the exact exact movie, but my favorite portrayal is probably it's close between either Bale or or Michael Keaton. Yeah, obviously. Now those are very two different types of movies, but they both did a fantastic job. Uh, yeah, I mean the the original movie was kind of the the one that came out like in ninety I think five or whatever I said there. That one is a little has a little bit of a '60s feel to it, yeah. but just a little bit. Right. Whereas uh, the uh, the Dark Trilogy does not, you know, have that. Uh, but probably a tie for me between between Christian Bale and, and Michael Keaton. I like I like both of those or all those movies featuring those two. I did too. They're they're just good filmmaking. Uh, you know, definitely a good take on the characters. Good acting. Now, did you know Michael Keaton was actually also up for the role of the Joker in that original movie. And what's interesting about that, you might recall, also with Tim Burton, he went on to make Beetlejuice around the oh, same yeah, time. Yeah. And a lot of the characteristics that he planned for the Joker from the original Batman movie, he rolled over into the character of Beetlejuice. So if you can just imagine Beetlejuice a little bit, uh, certainly he has some of those same, uh, you know, the look, the he has the wild face paint, movements. the wild hair, yeah. the wild movements, uh, you know. And I, I think Michael Keaton's one of those rare actors who really could have played it either way. I mean, he was a good Bruce Wayne because he looked like the clean cut, upstanding yeah. gentleman when he needed to. He was a great Batman. He had the chin for it, and apparently that's all you need is a strong chin. <laughs> that's that's what I've heard. Uh, but then he also, I think, would have made a fantastic Joker, though I'm not sure anybody could have been better than Jack Nicholson. He he just he he's the best to me. <laughs> right. So what what uh, what movie was your favorite? Um, I would probably say the and probably just for nostalgia reasons, not really based on you know which was like the best filmmaking. Right. Uh, but that 1980s Tim Burton first Batman movie with Michael Keaton, I just watched so many times. I had a lot of the action figures, the Batmobile. I, I tried to recreate a lot of those scenes growing up with the with the toys and the merchandising, which I think we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Sure. But uh, yeah, probably that very first Batman movie. Now I'll tell you which one was my least favorite. Now, have you ever have you seen Batman Forever? I think this was the one with uh, the Riddler, Jim Carrey's the Riddler, yeah. uh, Two Face, and and all that. Which I think uh, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger's in that one, right? Oh, that is the is that the one? Is that that might be Batman and Robin? I'm not sure. That okay. Those Batman two kind of get mixed yeah. up. But yeah, he he's in one of them, and uh, that's that's an interesting story all to itself. But just that Batman Forever, they they kind of tried to go with this uh, neon sort of look and. I, I think the actors who were in it, I, it was what Chris O'Donnell and um, was it Val Kilmer? I can't remember who who played. Is the, it him or Clooney? One of the two. Him yeah. or Clooney? It just didn't work. I mean, it just I, at one point. And maybe I'm getting them confused, too. Maybe it was Batman and Robin. But I just remember there was a lot of merchandising in there. At one point, Batman jerks out like a Batman-branded Visa card, and he's like, charge it or something. I mean, it's just like it's just like over the top at that point, you know, very clearly trying to. <laughs> Holy credit card, Batman. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but but overall, as a kid, I, I definitely enjoyed all the movies. You know, looking back on them and as, as an adult, right. I can kind of see how they all had their strengths and weaknesses. But, yeah, it's. You know, through through nostalgic eyes, definitely the first one was the best to me. 
So you know there there are tons of you know tons of those movies and uh, you know p- different people's different directors takes on those. Uh, obviously, some of them they're up for debate. Uh, maybe some small controversies and kind of the direction they want to go. But uh, controversy has sort of been has uh, followed Batman all along. I think right. So yeah, it has. And you know, just recently, I've become aware of this as growing up as a Batman fan. I I had no idea the underlying controversies involved with the creation of Batman. But you'll recall at the beginning of the show, we talked about the character design and how it originated with Bob Kane in terms of naming him the Batman. But he came up with a suit that was completely contrary to how Batman would act, you know, eventually appear. And this seemed to be an ongoing exchange back and forth between Bob Kane, who is largely throughout history up until recently being credited as the one creator of Batman and this other individual named Bill Finger. So up until 2015, Bob Kane was credited as the exclusive creator of Batman. Since the late 1970s, Batman stories included the message created by Bob Kane in addition to their other credits. Bill Finger, the man who worked alongside Bob Kane to create the iconic look of Batman that we just discussed, and many of the other villains, did not receive the same credit, unfortunately. Bob Kane was very arrogant about this fact. There's been several interviews conducted with Bob Kane where he discusses his role in creating Batman. And he once wrote about Bill Finger, and he said this. He said, quote, Bill was disheartened by the lack of major accomplishments in his career. He felt that he had not used his creative potential to its fullest and that success had passed him by, end quote. Man, what a vicious thing to say about someone who clearly had a hand in creating the biggest thing Bob Kane's ever been associated with. It's wild. Yeah, that's that's kind of uh, tough to swallow right there because I mean it sounds because you know, at the beginning of this uh, episode when you're talking about the original design of Batman and then you're talking about how Bill Finger said, well maybe let's yeah. do this. It sounded like in a nice way he was basically saying your design is awful <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, no one's yeah, going to like yeah, this. And so it was. why don't we do it? You know why don't we do it this way? And of course you know uh, you know the person that we have become to know as Batman was based. It sounds like much 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 more on Bill Finger's uh, what he had envisioned Batman to be. Absolutely. As opposed to Bob Kane. Yeah. And at the time of Finger's death, which he passed away in 1974, DC had not officially credited him as co-creator of Batman, even up to that point. Now, the family, you know, many times uh, the family Bill Finger would go to DC. And uh, I think eventually it sort of became a lawyer battle back and forth, a legal pursuit. But, you know, throughout history, there's been this back and forth because Bob Kane really refused to acknowledge Bill Finger's accomplishments. Jerry Robinson, who I I think you might have mentioned just a bit ago as the co-creator of The Joker, he criticized Bob Kane for not sharing the credit with Bill Finger. He he had a, a pretty straightforward quote that I'll share here as well. At one time, Robinson said, quote, Bob made him more insecure. Because while he slaved working on Batman, he wasn't sharing in any of the glory or the money that Bob began to make, which is why he was going to leave Kane's employ. Kane should have credited Bill as co-creator because I know I was there. That was one thing I would never forgive Bob for was not to take care of Bill or recognize his vital role in the creation of Batman. End quote. 
Pretty straightforward. Also pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, Bob Kane sort of wavered on this point back and forth. Later in his life, he did concede a few things about Batman. Uh, but he did write an open letter about Batman to his fans in 1965. This would be a, you know, a few years before Bill Finger passed away. And in that letter to his fans, Bob Kane said, quote, It seemed to me that Bill Finger has given out the impression that he, and not myself, created the Batman, as well as Robin and all the other leading villains and characters. This statement is fraudulent and entirely untrue. Quote, the trouble with being a ghostwriter or artist is that you must remain rather anonymously without credit. However, if one wants the credit, then one has to cease being a ghost or follower and become a leader or innovator. End quote. So again, so he's just sort of doubling down. He's doubling down. It's so unfortunate. There, there's a documentary about this. I can't recall the name, um, but I think it's on Netflix or Hulu that covers this entire controversy. And it's just, it's the most heartbreaking thing you've ever seen because Bob Kane was very wealthy. He was uh, very well, you know, highly regarded, highly respected. Of course, the people in the industry, such as Jerry Robinson, kind of knew what was up. You know, they knew that he was taking credit for a lot of the things that. Bill Finger was at least associated with. But Bill Finger would eventually get credit, Jason. Uh, It's unfortunate that it happened so long after his death. But in September 2015, DC Comics revealed that Finger would receive credit for his role in creating Batman. So just four years ago, as of the recording of this episode. So the first movie that displayed Bill Finger's credit was Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. The updated acknowledgement was written as, quote, Batman created by Bob Kane, with Bill Finger, end quote. So hmm. still not entirely uh, an and there, right? you know, but he at least gets to be associated with it. And, you know, there. I think there's some ongoing debate about even giving him further credit than that. But I'll end with saying this. I think this perfectly sums up the way Bob Kane felt about the creation of Batman. Uh, Bob Kane, unfortunately, has passed away as well. But on his gravestone, which you can Google and see a picture of, you see uh, a bat signal on the on the headstone, and it's shining down on Bob Kane's name. And on the headstone, it reads this. And this is just a, a shortened version, Jason. These are the actual words, but there's like two other paragraphs that I didn't even include. I just wanted you to, to our listeners to kind of get a sense for for how Bob Kane felt about himself. So the headstone reads, "Quote: God bestowed a dream upon Bob Kane." Blessed with divine inspiration and a rich imagination, Bob created a legacy known as Batman. Bob Kane, Bruce Wayne, Batman, they are one and the same. Bob infused his dual identity character with his own attributes. Goodness, kindness, compassion, sensitivity, generosity, intelligence, integrity, courage, purity of spirit, a love of all mankind. I didn't hear humbleness. I didn't either. That, he admitted that on purpose just so he could you know, remain truthful to, to that. I guess so. He um, thinks highly of himself. He sure does. And I saw the word generosity in there. So that's kind of ironic. Yeah, really? <laughs> A little bit. But, you know, th- things at least at this point are resolved. You know, there may be some some a little bit of ongoing debate about giving Bill Finger additional credit. But as of right now, his family is receiving some of the royalties for the movies, the merchandising and all the things associated with Batman. And man, Batman is a huge merchandising powerhouse. So, Jason, what can you tell us about Batman and and all the merchandise out there? How about twenty five billion dollars? 
Wow, is that all? Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Give or take a couple of you know, a couple of bucks. Uh, that's that's correct. The Batman franchise has made over twenty five billion dollars over the years, and much of this has come from merchandise sales. Yeah, uh, there have been uh, over forty video games. Forty video games. Forty video games featuring uh, Batman in some form or fashion. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, toy companies over the years, such as Kenner and Mattel and, and Amigo, have made countless uh, Batman action figures, Batmobiles, Batcaves, produced uh, lunchboxes, T-shirts, sweatshirts, tennis shoes, socks, and anything else that you can imagine uh, with Batman's likeness or at least the uh, the emblem on there. And <laughs> That's good. And I have a personal story. Uh, when when the Michael Keaton movie came out, so I think that was 89, I think that's right. Yeah. Okay, so when that came out, I was in either 6th or 7th grade, one of the two. And it was so bizarre because even as a 6th or 7th grader, I remember thinking, okay, Batman's cool, we get it, right? But there was something that occurred at Whitley City Middle School that I thought, is this only occurring here or is this a thing like elsewhere? And, of course, social media didn't exist at this point. But there was this fad that, like, developed overnight, and it went on for probably two months, where uh, students, you know, kids, would uh, would go to this little T-shirt shop that was uh, close to our house, and that they had Batman T-shirts. And they had probably four or five different kinds. They were all black, all black T-shirts, all with some kind of Batman uh, picture of them on, on them of some sort. And they would buy them, but, but the unique thing is that on the back of them, in this really sketchy kind of uh, a white font, it's a very, very specific style, they would have their first name put on the back of the T-shirt. Huh. And it's like I saw one of them. Then, then the day after that, I saw 10. The day after that, I saw like 100 of them. And it was so bizarre. And I, you know, and I remember talking to my mom saying, I have to get one of these Batman T-shirts. You know, My name has to be on the back, and it has to be in this. And even, you know, even at 6th and 7th grade, I remember thinking, this is so bizarre, but yet I, I better conform to this or right. whatever. That's, that's really one of my early memories in terms of how like, Batman was like honestly like influencing society. I mean, obviously, I had toys before that when I was younger. You know, but at about 12 or 13, that T-shirt meant like like the world to me. And it's just so awkward because I can clearly see that that uh, font style. I'm not even yeah. sure what you would call it. Uh, but That's interesting. So was that ever done with any other branding? Is it just a Batman on the front or a Batman logo on the front? It was, it was either a Batman logo or a picture of Batman like on top of a building or maybe like in the Batmobile. There were four or five different T-shirts. And so mm-hmm. you, would see, you, know, you would see those. Uh, but then it was your first name. Like you'd say Jason or Shannon on the back of it. And, of course, that was screened onto the T-shirt. Uh, and everyone had this exact style. So I always thought it was, it was interesting because, like, you know, someone was the first person to do that, right? Right, yeah. So, like, did they go there, like, the next person of the day and say, hey, I want the same font style so-and-so got the day before? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. I never saw anyone's name written in any other different font style. Huh. And I mean, and honestly, I said 100. I was probably stretching it. But there were several dozen. Wow. I mean, there were probably 50 to 70, 80 that were at the, at, at the school. I mean, you know, every class you would go in, there would be four or five, six, you know, T-shirts. And so that was just always interesting to me that why that fad caught on. And uh, and I you know, remember thinking, is this also going on at other middle schools? And I'm just not aware of it or whatever, you know. <laughs> but people were pumped about that Batman movie when when that came out. I mean, pumped. Even the kids that you think would be too cool to wear uh, a uh, a fictitious, you know, cartoon superhero, oh no, they had it on. They had it on. They had their name <laughs> on the back of the t-shirt, yeah. So uh, my dear mother and father, they uh, spent a little money on me going toward this $25 billion <laughs> Oh, so you've added some to the pile of cash yeah, that I, Batman's made I, over the years. I certainly have. 
Yeah. Me too. Me too. So, Shannon, I think that's probably a wrap uh, for me in terms of the uh, Batman content uh, for this episode. So, anything else you'd like to add about the uh, Cape Crusader? Crusader before we come to a close. <laughs> no, just uh, I, I hope in the next Batman movie that Jason Creekmore gets a starring role. I, I think you, you've got the chin for it, so That's you right. could definitely wear the cowl, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it would be like Christopher Nolan with Jason Creekmore, right? <laughs> That's I, it. I might be so honored as to get a, as to get a with. A right? with, yeah, right. I hope so. Well, uh, we just want to thank all of our listeners for downloading the podcast, also for subscribing, and we appreciate everyone who has given us a rating and dropped us a review. You can catch us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at SlapdashPod. Thanks so much again for listening, and take care. Take care, everyone.